This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash. On this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, and religion. In this episode, a religious movement passes through the heart of the country, persecuted throughout its journey. A power vacuum causes a split. One leader built his movement into a major force. The other seemingly disappears from history. A religious movement passes through the heart of the country, persecuted throughout its journey. A power vacuum causes a split. One man leads his movement into a major force. The other seemingly disappears from history. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is grand and to some mysterious. More than two million Mormons dominate the Utah landscape. What most of these people don't realize is that there was another Mormon group. So what happened to this separate sect? Their leader, a man who is known as a prophet. He taught things that were quite progressive. He even declares himself a king, but others see him as a charlatan. He loved secrets and code, but he was wildly ambitious. He basically said, I am going to change the world. He really wanted to become what he became. In the early 19th century, a religious movement erupts in western New York, a place called the Burned Over District, because so many spiritual sparks emerge here in what's often referred to as the Second Great Awakening. This is where Joseph Smith starts the Church of Latter-day Saints after claiming to have a religious experience. As a literary event, the Book of Mormon is completely fascinating to me because it places the Bible as an ongoing thing in North America. And for people in the mid-19th century, that must have been really, really exciting, but also really a threat to traditional religions. Miles Harvey is a journalist from Chicago who has researched the group's evolution as they're forced to move from New York to Ohio to Missouri and in 1839, Nauvoo, Illinois. They turn it into a religious mecca with about as many people as Chicago. The place became kind of a hub for thieves and forgers and a lot of other people. And so some of the neighbors didn't like that. Also, the locals are angry about the group's polygamy. And in 1844, Joseph Smith is put in jail. A mob of uh, anti-Mormon vigilantes, essentially, storm this little jail there and assassinate Smith. For the Mormon church, it was a disaster and it left a power vacuum. Who would fill the leadership void? Brigham Young is a Mormon church elder, but a newcomer reveals a letter that he says is from Joseph Smith anointing him as the new leader. His name, James Strang, a farmer and atheist who converts during a visit to Nauvoo. Some are skeptical. I think it's pretty clear that people at the time in the church, which is what's important, did not believe in this letter. Modern experts think it's a forgery, but it's a really clever forgery, and it was typical of Strang. He's kind of a brilliant guy. So he'd been a postmaster, and he'd been a journalist, and he really knew how to manipulate the U.S. mail system so that 
this forgery really looked good to a lot of people. After the assassination of their leader, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young takes Mormons to the Utah Territory. James Strang persuades some to follow him to Vorey, Wisconsin, near Burlington, 80 miles north of Chicago. But there are still people skeptical about Strang. To convince them that he's the true leader of the church, Strang reveals that he's discovered brass plates buried on a hillside. It's not coincidental that Strang needed more proof and that poof, that proof suddenly appeared here in Burlington. And these brass plates were written in a language that no one in the world could read except for one person. And that one person was James J. Strang. And luckily he was here in Burlington. So he was able to translate them. Strang has ambitious plans beyond Wisconsin. He relocates to the largest island in Lake Michigan, Beaver Island, and declares himself king. And I think he just needed a place he could control, and islands are famous for giving people control. As in New York, Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois, the locals aren't happy with reports of polygamy and crime. Irish fishermen and Native American tribes on Beaver Island accuse the Mormons of being criminals, stealing horses, and illegally cutting down timber Strang's supporters say this is just anti-Mormon prejudice, but Harvey says it's all documented. So one of the things he did in Beaver Island is set up a pirate colony, which sounds absurd, but he literally was sending out ships to raid places like Chicago. <laughs> this criminal enterprise was real. President Millard Fillmore sends in a Navy ship, the USS Michigan, to arrest Strang. They were just worried about this quasi-independent state within the borders of the U.S. Strang defends himself in federal court and wins. Fillmore leaves office and Strang is still around. So the King of Beaver Island outlasted the President of the United States. But in time, Strang once again faces skeptics and defectors who coordinate with the government. The SS Michigan returns to Beaver Island again in 1856. Captain sent a representative ahead to get Strang, said, I want to talk to you about something, and Strang followed these guys down. And assassins were waiting for him, shot him. He survives for a while. He dies several days later reportedly at this home back in Burlington, Wisconsin. His followers diminish and disperse. But what may surprise you is that the Strang movement still exists with members like science teacher Scott Kelly. I was kind of surprised that this church existed. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, even the, uh, the mainstream, which we would say is the Brighamite Utah LDS Church, I think the majority of members don't know of our existence. There are only a hundred Strangite followers in the U.S. After Strang's death, a family keeps the movement going in this church in Burlington, Wisconsin. And the congregation continues today with 60 followers at this church built nearby in 1967. We are just really a remnant, a leftover group of people that, that are here now. Strangites like David August say there's a long history of persecution against Mormons, in part because they take so many converts. Mormonism converts 
everybody. There is no core group of people. They come from the populace to this. So what does this cause? This causes people from other religions to resent it. The history would speak for itself. He says the criticism of Strang is unfair. August shows us a copy of that letter that they believe designates Strang as the true leader of the Church of Latter-day Saints. They see him as a dedicated teacher. A crucial difference from the Mormons in Utah, followers of Strang believe Jesus is simply a man. The idea of being put on a cross and sacrificed isn't much of a burden to bear when you're a demigod, whereas when you're a mortal man and you're dying for the sins of everyone, it's, it's a much, much greater sacrifice. They also argue, how can Strang be a con man when he never has any money? Well, if that was the case, he was really bad at it because he never had much money. I think Strang was very attracted to power and um, less interested in um, making a quick buck. I don't judge people for their faith, and I also just think that it's pretty cool that this little enclave of true believers still exists here. In 1856, James Strang leaves behind five wives, four of whom are pregnant when he's assassinated. In the story of the Strang Mormons, there may be disagreements about theology and disputes about the facts surrounding their history and leader, but their story in the 21st century is simple. And a power of choosing between good and evil, man continually prefers the good and abhors the evil. They say they're pursuing a universal lesson learning how to live a better life with their fellow man. Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online at wgntv.com backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.